Hello and welcome to the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly and I'm here to provide regular bursts of information and inspiration, some neuroscience applicable to eating disorder recovery, perhaps a few rants, but otherwise lots of positivity with a bit of a Feck It attitude, some fun and a sprinkling of fabulousness to help everyone find freedom in recovery. Hi and welcome to the Feck It Fun, Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. I'm Helly and I'm an eating disorder recovery coach. I've recently made a couple of episodes about exercise and movement compulsions and one about the importance of learning the skills of rest and relaxation when you're in eating disorder recovery. And following those episodes, a couple of people asked me if I could make an episode about different tools you can use to help learn how to rest and relax again when you are going through eating disorder recovery and really trying to break all those movement and exercise compulsions that you might have while still making yourself eat enough food. Because rest and relaxation is learning a new skill in recovery and because it is learning a new skill, it creates anxiety and with the eating disorder it will create fear and panic and intense emotions but also like any new skill without the added layer of the eating disorder to it it will also feel quite clunky and wrong and quite hard on your brain too because when the brain's learning anything new it has to go through a whole sort of learning and rewiring process by itself which makes your brain feel like it is working, because it is. So if you want to listen to the earlier podcasts first, then go away and listen to those episodes, and then come back to this one. But in this one, I'm just going to give you some tips on how to learn the skills of rest and relaxation again, how to put yourself through that, and or manage the anxiety and the need to move when you are relearning it. First of all, and this one, your eating disorder, is not going to like at all, is eating enough food. And I know you've heard it all before that you have to eat without restriction in eating disorder recovery. But even when it comes to learning to rest and relax, if you are eating enough food, it makes all the difference to being able to rest and relax. And I know your brain is telling you that the opposite to that is true that your brain is probably telling you that if you eat more food, then you're going to get even stronger exercise and movement compulsions. So it's safer to eat less so that the exercise compulsions are less. But actually, if you put yourself through it, you might be surprised to find that if you are eating consistently high enough amounts the need and the compulsions to move and exercise will also reduce. And that is because if we take it back to the eating disorders being a response to a famine situation scenario, then if you're restricting your food intake, your brain at a baseline level is thinking there isn't enough food in the environment, it's not safe to stop here and rest. It needs to keep moving to hunt for the food while you're not eating enough, your brain is still going to think it's not safe to rest and relax and it has to keep hunting no matter how physically depleted and under-resourced you still are. 
But once you are eating enough and consistently eating a high enough intake, then your baseline brain is going to think, ah, okay, food is available in our environment now. We don't need to keep pushing ourselves to hunt for the food because food is available right here, right now. So in that case, it's safe to rest and relax here. And that's when some of those urges to just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, keep doing, keep busy, will start to just slowly switch off when you're eating enough food because your brain will be like, okay, yeah, we can rest here. It's safe. It's okay. Let's chill out. And that's when also the exhaustion will probably hit when you'll start to feel like, oh my God, I don't know how I kept going for as long as I did because I am just done in. My body hurts. I just need to stop. I just need to rest. And when that happens, you need to let yourself rest. You need to keep eating huge amounts and you need to let your poor body just repair all the damage that's been done to it over the years if you're having an eating disorder. So the biggest tip I can give you, and I know the one that you really, really, really hate is eating enough food, and that is consistently really high amounts of food. That includes foods that you're scared of, foods that are high in fat, foods that are high in sugar, carbs, you know, all the things that you really probably don't want to be eating. Eat them all, eat them in high enough quantities, and some of those movement compulsions will just turn themselves off naturally. I know it happened to me in that way, and I know it happens to other people in that way as well. The other tip I will give you is to have a plan for what you're going to do in your most active times of the day. Have a plan that when you are usually most active in your day, make a plan to be sedentary and for things that will actually distract you at those times. So if you always go for a run or a walk at 11 o'clock in the morning every single day, then make a plan that at 11 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to do this and that's going to be something that involves sitting down and will distract me. And be really specific about that at first. Lay out the times if you need to for the whole day so that you can keep yourself accountable and so that you know that 11 o'clock you'll be sitting down to phone your mum and at three o'clock you will be watching the next episode of Gilmore Girls on Netflix. I choose Gilmore Girls because that's what got me through a lot of my recovery. But whatever it is, be very specific. Make yourself a little timetable if you need to. Pick out the times of day that you know are going to be particularly challenging. The times of day that you know that you're usually your most active. And really make plans that will keep you sedentary. And then find ways to keep to that plan. And to do that, you might want to be accountable to someone. It might be a family member, a friend, a coach, another professional. Just have someone apart from yourself that will be there that you have to be honest with about what movement you did, as that can help to just make it real for you and make it feel more important to you and just help you remember why you are putting yourself through this. And of course, once again, eating enough. Please, just make sure you're eating enough. It will help. The next idea I've got for you is one that I used in my recovery and sometimes I suggest it to people that I coach. And that's what's called the feet off the floor challenge. So the feet off the floor challenge is basically to spend the whole day with your feet not touching the floor 
for as much of the day as you possibly can. And you make it into a game. Make it into a game that you have to just be sitting down or lying down without your feet on the floor for the entire day. And the only times of day that you are allowed to put your feet on the floor is if you are walking to the kitchen from the sofa or from the bed to get food and back again. And also you are allowed to if you need to go to the bathroom, but you're not using the bathroom as an excuse to keep going, only when you really need to go to the bathroom. So yeah, make that a challenge, make that a game in your recovery. Do it for as many days as you need to, the feet off the floor challenge, it will really help rewire it. And making recovery into a game can be a really good way to keep it fun and interesting. You don't need to be standing up and moving all the time. So feet off the floor, sitting down, resting, eating for as much of the day as possible, as few steps as you can possibly do in the day. And of course, feet off the floor doesn't mean that you're doing exercises while you're sitting or lying down. Don't, you know, don't pick up on that one. It means that you are sitting and resting. The other thing is really important and goes along with the eating enough is when you get hunger, respond to it. And when you're resting, you are probably going to start to feel your hunger a lot more intensely than you might when you're busy and you're active. And I know that is frightening because moving and keeping busy, often we do it because it's a fear of hunger um, and not wanting to feel the hunger that really is there. So you keep busy, you keep active to try and block it out. But of course, when you stop and you rest and relax, the hunger is going to come through. And it's nothing worse than torture, I don't think, to have to sit for several hours really hungry and not let yourself eat. So when you get the hunger because you're resting and you're relaxing more, you need to listen to that hunger, but you also need to respond to it. No matter how powerful that hunger is, no matter how much of a bottomless pit that hunger might be, you just have to respond to it all. So let yourself eat as much as your hunger is asking for. And yes, that's probably going to be thousands and thousands of calories if you are in the early stages of recovery or even later on in recovery when you've got extreme hunger. Just listen to it, respond to it. It will also make the resting a lot easier too if you go back to my earlier point about eating enough food. One tip I'm also going to give you about how to manage anxiety and I'm going to make another episode about little tips to manage fear and anxiety but with this one if you find that you're getting really really anxious there's a breathing technique you can use called physiological size and these have been found by um, neuroscientists to be the fastest way for the body to calm itself down and to put yourself back into the parasympathetic system, so the rest and digest system of the body. So a physiological sigh is, if you think a bit like when a child has had a big tantrum and they've been screaming a lot, and at the end of their sort of screaming match and tantrum, they start to take sort of these big sort of shudders, if you like, which then seem to calm them. And it's a bit like they take two big gulps of air in and then they blow the air out quite slowly. So it's sort of taking two quick sharp intakes of breath and then one long exhale. 
So two sharp intakes of breath through your nose, one long exhale through your mouth. So it's... And just do that a few times. And that is one of the fastest ways to put your body back into a more relaxed state. So use that. You can use that as many times as you need to in an, in an hour, in a day, when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling afraid, when you're feeling distressed. It will really help. So use it. And also tell yourself, when you're making yourself rest and relax and you're sitting there, tell yourself you are doing the right thing by resting and relaxing. Have that conversation with yourself. And even if you don't believe it at first, even if you don't believe what you're telling yourself, just still tell yourself that I'm resting and I'm relaxing for my recovery and for my future life. Reassure yourself that this is the right thing to do. Take yourself back to your whys for recovery. Take yourself back to why you're doing this, what you want from your future without the eating disorder, the future you want where you can rest and relax as much as you want to. And the same with if the thoughts come in, which they will because the eating disorders are so predictable of, oh, you're sitting, you're turning into a big fat slob because you're just sitting and eating. Yes, you're going to get those thoughts, but again, just block them away. Tell yourself, I'm doing the right thing. I'm sitting here. I'm resting for my future, for my recovery. I might gain weight, but that's okay. Even if I get fat in inverted commas, who cares? Because there's nothing wrong with that. And a recovered life in a bigger body has got to be better than a sick and disordered life in a thinner body. So just keep reassuring yourself you're doing the right thing. Keep telling yourself that and eventually re that reassurance to yourself will start to sink into your brain. Once again, because I think it's very, very important and you can't reiterate this enough. When your anxiety is rising, please eat more food. In eating disorder recovery, just about everybody tells me that they notice that when their anxiety goes up, if they eat, their anxiety comes down, even if their eating disorder is telling them that the opposite is true. So when your anxiety is going up, no matter how much your head is telling you that more food is going to make you more anxious, eat some more food, eat something scary, and feel proud that you've done that. And just see if it doesn't just bring your anxiety down a few notches, because I think it probably will. Another technique I used in my recovery, and you have to remember that my recovery was before the pandemic. So before the pandemic turned lockdown into a thing, I used the term lockdown to help myself with my movement compulsions. So I would put myself into a form of lockdown during my recovery, where I sort of built myself a little nest at home made myself, you know, a little space that was comfortable, that was nurturing, where I had lots of pillows, I had a big bean bag, and just made it really cosy and inviting. And I surrounded it with notes for myself too, about why I was doing this, why I was doing recovery, and I put them up around me so I could see them and that they would remind me. This is why I'm not moving from this spot today. And then I'd also tell people at home, that I am in rest mode and 
usually if I was feeling quite anxious, I probably wouldn't want to be disturbed because then I would just turn into a irritable and nasty person if anyone tried to disturb me and I could get quite snappy. So I'd often warn people not to disturb me unless it was an emergency or they might risk having their head bitten off. And then I'd try and just put myself in lockdown, just nest down, curl up with lots of food around me, put on Netflix, put on whatever it was and try and just block the world out and try and just stop those urges to go for a walk, those urges to get up and move. And do that for days, do that for as long as you might need to. And because I, I also went through this stage of recovery in the summer, often the weather was quite good and it was inviting and I wanted to go out for walks because I was thinking, look, what a beautiful day it is outside, I should be out walking. But on the other hand, I knew that to go out walking would be completely the wrong thing to do for the eating disorder. So I would literally, even though it's such a beautiful day outside, I would close the curtains. I would shut myself in the room with the curtains closed and really hunker down and pretend that the world wasn't out there being beautiful, pretend that it was pouring with rain outside, pretend that it was midwinter and it was dark outside and just really hunker down with the food and just try and allow my brain to learn that rest was a good thing to do and rest was okay and that I was safe to be resting. And while you're doing all this, while you're putting yourself through all of this, I would definitely advise you to have your tissues ready, have boxes of tissues ready because you might well need them. When you're going through this in recovery, let your emotions in because you are going to need to. You might want to scream and cry when you're going through this and you might be really irritable and angry. And unfortunately, you do have to go through that. You do have to go through that process, those distressing and horrible emotions. Sometimes it's like a deep depression can come upon you in this stage of recovery. But I, I really think the only way out is through. So get your tissues ready. Know that it's okay to cry. It's okay to scream. It's okay to throw soft things against the wall if you need to. It's okay to be irritable and angry. Warn people that you might be irritable and angry. But unless you let yourself feel it, unless you let yourself go through those emotions, you probably won't come out the other side and you'll keep using the movement and the exercise as a way to numb it all down. And it is awful and it feels like it will never end when you're in it, but it will end and you will get through it if you just sit with it and just reassure yourself that you know this deep emotion, this horrible stage of tears and tantrums and anger will come to an end, it will stop. I promise you it will stop because nothing lasts forever. So this horrible stage will come to an end if you just sit through it and keep going. And with the emotions, I found music was really good. I listened to a lot of music at times when I was particularly going through those emotional stages and just sat sometimes and played the music really loudly. If I was angry, I might just play it really loudly and shout and scream along to it. Or if I was sad, I'd listen to sad songs and I would cry and sob along to them because it really does help to just sit 
and sob your way through it if that's what you need to do. It helps to process. Music is wonderful, I think, to help with emotions. So use music if that's something that you know will help you as well. And for those of you who use housework or gardening as your way of staying busy as well, just accept that the house might get dirty. And that's normal. In 90% of homes around the world, a dirty house is normal. You don't need to do your household chores every day or as often as you think you do. Let other people do it. It might not be up to your standard, but that's something that needs rewiring too. Your recovery is more important than a clean house. Put your recovery first. And identify other ways that you find as excuses to move and to exercise. Take public transport or the car and don't walk or cycle wherever you're going. If you have a dog and it needs walking, get a dog walker. If you have a garden that needs gardening, get a gardener or get a friend or a family member to come and help you with the gardening for a while. Use the dishwasher instead of washing up. Because it all matters, the eating disorder uses all of these things as a reason to keep standing, to keep moving, and find ways to override them at the moment. And yes, okay, some of these things mean spending a bit more money at this stage, but this is your health and your recovered life that you are investing in. And that has to be worth it, to not live in the chains of the illness for any longer than you need to. If you do still have an exercise tracker or a Fitbit, please, please throw it away or sell it. They are not at all needed. So get rid of it and then aim to take as few steps as possible every single day. But you don't need a tracker to tell you that. Just as few steps as possible every day. Another good way of getting out of the house without having to move is to go to coffee shops where you can go and you can get out the house, but you drive there, you order huge calorific drinks and food products that terrify you and sit and enjoy, and enjoy being around people, but in a positive and recovery-focused way. And then when you're done in the first coffee shop that day, go to the next one and go and sit in that one and keep eating. I know I did a lot of coffee shop crawling in my early stages of recovery, and it was a great way to stop me walking about, stop me moving as much, while also eating big cakes, big sandwiches, big calorie-dense drinks as well. And if you do want to go outside in nature, then going to sit and relax outside somewhere is absolutely great. But only if you know that you can just go and sit somewhere. But if it's going to mean that you're going to find yourself actually walking around for three hours and then just sitting down for 10 minutes, then don't risk it yet. Know your stage of recovery. Know what's safe for you at the moment. So yes, go and sit outside. Go and sit in nature. If you can just go take a book, take lots of food and go and sit in nature in the sunshine, then wonderful. But if it involves walking around a lot, and using being outside as an excuse to walk, then you know, don't do that, please. Another thing to do is to ask yourself, if this was my last day on this planet, would I spend it moving about compulsively like a demon? I very, very much doubt it. Then do what you would do, rest and relax, because it just doesn't matter. 
And the sad truth is that even though it isn't your last day on this planet, well, I very much hope it isn't anyway, it still just doesn't matter if you do sit and rest for the remainder of your many, many days left here on this planet. Because that's a lot healthier than what you're doing at the moment, which is keeping you sick and keeping you disordered and stopping you living the life you want to be able to live. And then the more obvious things I've just added at the end of this little episode, because they are the things that you will all be thinking of already, I'm sure. There's all the distraction things to use, things like crafting, colouring, journaling, things that are mindless, as you need mindless things for recovery because you need your full mental focus to be on recovery. But just mindless things that will keep you occupied in a less stressful way when you are sitting down. So I found journaling so important to me in recovery, but also things like knitting, sewing, cross-stitch, those adult colouring in books, whatever it is that works for you that you can do sitting down that doesn't involve any sort of intense brain activity. They're all great things to do. And for anyone, you know, who does use mindfulness or meditation, then do that as well. I've always struggled a bit to get into mindfulness and meditation, but I have tried it in the past and I know when I have made myself do it, it is powerful. And if you can do it and it does work for you, then please, please use it because anything that works matters. So use everything that you can. So that's just a few tools and tips for how to help yourself rest and relax. And as I say, use people to help you as well. Use people to help hold you accountable. It's not easy to get through this stage of overcoming the exercise and movement compulsions, but pushing yourself to keep resting and relaxing every day and keep eating high amounts every day, and you will get there. I promise you, you will get there if you just keep your focus on doing that. So that's been quite a long episode. If there's anything else you want me to talk about on this podcast series, then please let me know by email. Otherwise, if you want to know more about my coaching, then you'll find me on hellybarns.com. And I'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Feck It Fun Fabulous and Free Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. Don't forget, eating disorder recovery doesn't have to be boring and doesn't have to be serious. Now go and grab yourself some food and have a fabulous rest of the day.